Hello, everyone. Happy holidays. Welcome to Believe in Betting Chicago, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Joey Christopoulos, and today we are doing a very special Hoops episode. Chicago Bulls talk is on the menu today with my good friend Mike Choi. But first, we got to talk about some sleep. Mike, how many hours of sleep a night do you get? I mean, if I get six, I'm happy. Six, you're happy? No, no, no. You could be way happier with that because did you know that chronic, chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. Are you scared yet? A little bit. Little you should bit. be. You should be. Because we all need eight hours of sleep, right? And what is sleep's biggest problem? It is, believe it or not, temperature. Tough to get a good sleep if you're too hot. And that's why I want to tell you today about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool like I like it, or your partner likes the bed warm like my wife likes it, are you a warm or cold guy, Mike? I'm a cold guy. You're a cold guy. Me too. Now you can have both at the same time. It's a crazy comfortable bed. Sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. They've already sold out of their first two batches. It's the holiday season, guys, and these are going like hotcakes. They're going pretty fast. But for a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro. That is 8, the number E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash pro, 8sleep.com slash pro. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us right here on Betting Chicago today. I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Mike Choi. Mike Choi, Chicago sports fan enthusiast. Yes, yes, true. Uh, post-production of the stars. Um, yeah, we can say something like yeah, that. We can't, yeah, yeah, we sure, can't say sure, that because sure. you know what? Yeah. People are learning about it for the first time. <laughs> We're talking Disney. We're talking MTV here, guys. Uh, just a huge uh, man who is passionate about his Chicago sports. Glad to hear you here. Yeah. How are you, yeah. man? Very good, very good. Um, I've, I think we should get out of the way some of my qualifications for being on the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please. Yeah, give, yeah. You you know, give him the resume. I mean, I've won at least one fantasy basketball championship. That's amazing. Um, In 2007? Earned, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've earned at least $10 on Thanks, sites Amari. like FanDuel. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Amari Stoudemire. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm 1-0 as a JV high school basketball coach. 1-0, and then you retired. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, gotta if go only out, Jim gotta Boylan go. could have done that. If only. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I sat third row once behind uh, the Bulls bench at the UC. Oh, that's so, I mean, perfect. The listeners are in great hands. And you here. got to smell Eddie Curry's farts. These <laughs> yes. are perfect qualifications. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I wanted to bring you on, Mike, today because guess what, man? The Bulls, they're 12 and 19. They are one game out of the eight seed. Let's get ramped up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. It's Christmas, so usually in the NBA season, it's a great time to kind of take stock at where your respective team is sure. at the time. Yep. And. We're going to get into it in a lot of detail, but very briefly and vaguely, how do you feel about this bull season just in its present state right now going? going you know, on? overall, I will say in comparison to last year, uh, things are looking, you know, incrementally hopeful. It's um, different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm turning off the game in the third quarter now as opposed to <laughs> the, half, the first know, half, before that the half time. time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, things are getting a little bit better. We're getting and, there. Yeah. Getting deeper. Yeah. Well, I, basically, I want to kind of get into... You know, obviously, there's a lot of big picture stuff going on with the Bulls, sure, but sure. I sort of want to just sort of drill in on what we think about this team going on moving forward. You know, I was looking it up last night. I've watched the team a lot of times, and we're seeing a lot of the same things, right? Sure. We're seeing some some talented play at times. 
We're seeing, obviously, a team that doesn't still really have an identity. We see a team that's blowing all. leads Not all the time. Yep. So I kind of sort of try to drill in and look up all these stats. I was like, oh, what are the Bulls good and bad at? And by looking at all these advanced stats, it was crazy. They're pretty much right in the middle of that me- mediocrity in almost every single category, right? 100%. Like, yeah. I even looked up first half scoring. They're like 20th. You know what I mean? I looked at the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. Oh, we're blowing a lot of leads. No, not really. Some days we are. Some days we're not. We're still like in that 20th category. You know, I was looking at um, efficient shooting percentage per opponents and threes and twos and stuff. It's all kind of right in the middle. What's been kind of surprising is a little bit about the defense so far. But I don't know. I mean, they're just a pretty much mediocre squad. I mean, to me, it all comes down to the uh, makeup of the roster. You know, there there is, in my opinion, nobody on this roster, Zach Levine included, who is a number one caliber player. All these guys are best suited to be cogs in a playoff team and really vital cogs at that. But when you're basically having an entire roster, you know, consist of, you know, two options, three options, fourth options. I mean, as you were saying before, you can't build an identity off of that. You can't build an identity off of people who are in the best case scenario supplemental players and it's so indicative of the organization right like the whole roster is loaded with seven picks yeah the whole roster is loaded with john paxson's yeah Yeah. like (laughs) the whole the whole deal and you're and you're totally right right because what are we going to take away what i'm taking away so far from the season is you know chris dunn is is kind of perhaps a playoff rotation piece for somebody sure sure wendell carter perhaps is i don't know if he's a starter on a playoff team, he might be in his prime, but he's also a really great maybe sixth or seventh man off the bench, right? Exactly. There's a yeah. lot of guys on that team like Thad Young, Sadoransky, serviceable pieces, and yet still the team is missing that big fish. And I think we're both in agreement that Zach Levine is not the big fish. I, I 100% agree. You know, Zach, let's give him credit. He is a scorer. He is he is a scorer, and in today's NBA, uh, you need that guy who can score you 20-plus points. So we can get that from Zach. But with that being said, his game is best suited to the playground. He's an isolation player. When you have an isolation player, unless you're, you know, the caliber of James Harden or Russell Westbrook when he was on the Thunder, as a team, you make your entire offense, your entire team stagnant when you're basically just watching that one guy try to go to work. So while he may be valuable in a fantasy world, in terms of real life NBA basketball, he's kind of a black hole. And it doesn't work night to night, right? No, uh, no. I, I looked it up. He has his efficient shooting percentage is 70th in the NBA right now. Shot selection is horrible. Yeah, just above Derrick Rose. Now, obviously, that's not a fair comparison because it's a volume-based yeah. thing, right? Zach's obviously taking a ton more shots. But you're right. On a night in, night out, I mean, there are nights when he has it, right? And sure. I think that's probably why they are at 12 and 19 right now. Maybe four of those mm-hmm. wins are because Zach yeah, scored 35-plus yeah. points in some random night. But you don't know who's going to show up on night tonight, like whether it's going to be that Zach or whether the coach is going to bench him uh, sure, for sure. a weird, for yeah. weird, yeah. uninspired yeah. play at the same time. And I guess maybe that's the thing is and, and to keep driving maybe this point that we're kind of hitting home on is wouldn't Zach Levine be an amazing sixth man? Exactly. On like a championship yep. team, yep. like against a second unit. Hey, come in. Can you get us eight to ten points in four or five, six possessions? Of course he could do that, but maybe over the course of the game, it's not something that you'd like to see. Yeah, and what's scary is, as as much as we're ragging on Zach right now, and and again, he is a solid player. 
I can't even fathom that offense without Zach, Fale- Zach Levine right now. Oh my gosh, yeah. who, who I, would it be? I, I don't know. Would it be Thomas Sadoransky? Would it be you know I mean, Kobe, Kobe White? White? Shoot, yeah. yeah, Kobe White shooting thirty five percent from the field right yeah. now. He probably yeah. would shoot thirty two percent because he'd probably exactly. have to jack up exactly. twelve more shots. Yeah. Um, so let's go. Let's. We've talked about Zach for a second. Zach obviously is the number one player on the team. He's under contract. You know his growth process is going to be one of those fun, vague. Chicago, can he get there? Can he not get there? Like it, I, I don't want to dip into it too hard, but like the Chicago Bears quarterback situation, for example, like Zach Levine is a guy that has shown you a very specific set of things that he does. And now we're trying to hypothetically project whether he can do things that we've never seen him do, yep. like pass the ball, yep. you know what I mean? <laughs> or play defense yep. or make that, uh, you know, he made that, fa- he made that fabulous pass in that comeback the other night. Um, for them to win in overtime, but at the same time, is he ever going to be that facilitator? Is, sure, you know sure. what I mean, or is he just the score? And, and the question—the question I have—and maybe I can get some of your insight. Oh, is, lay it on me. I mean, in my opinion, these are completely empty stats that he's putting up. Very much in the vein of Kevin Love when he was actually on Minnesota. You know, a guy who can put up twenty plus points, but in on a on a on a good roster, is he putting these kind of numbers up? I don't think so. I, I think maybe best case scenario, let's just say he was on a team where he was a second or third option and it worked, you know, maybe he'd be averaging 16 points a game. But I mean, I, I don't know what you're seeing. When I watch the Chicago Bulls offense, I don't really like what I see and I don't understand really any of it. We're not really a run and gun team. We're not a fantastic half court team. You know, our half court success seems to pretty much derive from Zach Levine creating his own situation um, you know, maybe a couple extra passes for a Thad Young or a, a, a Thad Young type three or Kobe White creating offense. Other than that, what exactly is the philosophy that we're trying to do? I, I mean, I 100 percent agree. It's a, what I I don't see an offensive philosophy. It's once again, it's these ISO games. It's push the ball, sure, but again, it, it's 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 high level rec league basketball in my opinion. Yeah, and isn't it hilarious that we're still in the same spot too, where we're what like. I mean, the Bulls have been bad now for ever since Jordan, right? I mean, sure, we had sure. a couple D Rose years yep. that were beautiful. We had a couple oh, God, Ben I, Gordon, yeah, Kirk Heinrich, Andre yeah. Nocioni years that were great. But still, like we've been trying to work on this rebuild for a while. And what does the team still not have? Three point shooters. You know, they're shooting thirty three percent from the three point range at home this season. And Yet it, we have people brutal. who are supposedly supposedly three point shooters. So that I mean that that kind of leads us into. Do you think that's of, a product of the offense, or do you think that's some sort of the stunting of the talent right now? You know, that's, and we're talking about Larry marketing. We'll yeah, of or, of course, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think you know unless you are one of the premier shooters in the league, you know, the Steph Curry's, you know, the Clay Thompsons of the league. When you're a three-point shooter, that's all dictated on rhythm, which is then dictated by confidence. I don't think, as the aforementioned Laurie Markkinen right now, has that confidence to go out there and shoot the three with, uh, with the kind of you know uh, reliance that we're hoping for from him. So, do you think that's an individual, or do you think that is a product of the offensive coach scheme that we're seeing this season? Because there was a time when I thought Laurie was taking a few steps forward last season. He had a really great six-week stretch. And I can't figure out whether the guy is a streaky player or the boiling offensive system with Zach Levine ball-dominating just isn't good for him. I can't figure it out. Well, I, I mean, for me, I think Laurie's game, obviously, it, it's, it's – this goes – you know, we can even bring this back to even drafting Laurie. You know, I don't 
for me, drafting a seven footer whose game is predicated on the outside game, I, you know, I, where has the history been of good results from that? You know, speaking of Andrea Bargnani and pl- players yeah, like you that, you can find your Ryan Anderson. Yeah, exactly. Uh, around the so, corner. So, I mean, he kind of is who I, I, that I thought he was. I never thought he was a foundational player. So, once again, um, you know, small sample size. This is the third year, but uh, and so I think, like I said, with any shooter, you're going to go through your peaks and valleys. Right now, he's in obviously his valley but i think based on a short sample size i think you know three point percentages those hopefully those will rise kind of back to his 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 career numbers um but you know he's been you know on and off battling little injuries little minor injuries we, you know he's got the uh, i think the abdominal issues that he's kind of been playing with and he's his absolute great what's going on here we've, we've seen <laughs> all the pilates we've guy we've seen he's all the pilates instagram guy, so, slash yeah, tinder photos the, of the him core muscle the strength should be high level but what's the deal um you know i think I, I think that's a small percentage of it you know and then obviously i think again once you're a stagnant offense where you're watching zach levine you're not getting you know it's it's very comparable to a pitcher who's a, a slow you know uh, delivery pitcher and that you kind of just make everybody else kind of fall to sleep out on uh, you know on defense so i think that's somewhat similar to what's going on with the offense overall so yeah that's a really interesting way to look at it with the <laughs> the guy the guys runners on first yeah and we're just going to slow it down yeah. right now yeah. we're going to go through the yeah. science two yeah. or three times and you guys for those of you listening, this is what it's like being a Bulls fan these days, right? It is just so just confusing, and you're, you're trying to grasp at all these different areas of why certain things are happening, right? And let's just wind the clock back a little bit for a second. You know, you could say what you want, but when we built that last team, the before the D-Rose team, that had Kirk, mm-hmm. Luau Dang, Ben Gordon, um, Andres Nocioni, you know, there was the Jay Williams for half a second there. yeah. yeah. At the very least, it felt like that they were building some sort of team that compl- had complementary pieces around it that created some sort of sense of an identity, right? Luol Deng was the slasher. He was the D guy. You know, you know, he wasn't quite the three and D guy that you wanted. Sure. Ben Gordon was the microwave scorer. Kirk Heinrich was the general on the floor. Nocioni was the gritty guy that kind of did a little bit of everything. And now you're kind of looking at this team right now, and I'm trying to figure out what exactly they're trying to do. They've got a bunch of like, you know, seven picks in the draft coming together. Do they complement each other? I'm not so sure. Are they taking a big swing at finding a star? I'm not so sure. So where, I mean, what is it? What what are they? And they're not even trying to accumulate really three-point shooters. I guess, you know, Kobe White in the draft this last year is maybe an attempt to do something like that. Sure. You know, so what? what is this team? Well, I mean... Okay, in terms of roster construction, we can obviously have a discussion about, you know, Paxson and Foreman's construction of the roster. So that's a whole different conversation. In terms of the identity of a team on the court, strictly speaking, on court, that comes down to your coaching staff. That comes down to Jim Boylan. That comes down to the identity that he wants to portray. And, you know, kind of like the person that we know him to be, there is no identity. There is no identity, and again, that stems from your coaching. And, if and you- to be fair, we had a conversation before the podcast just to make sure that Jim Boylan was not the original there Jim Boylan. There were two Jim Boylans <laughs> who have coached the Chicago Bulls. There's been two Jim Boylans that have come out of nowhere that were both NBA lifers with personalities that you couldn't find uh, you couldn't find on the street if you were trying really hard. And I I, I can't help but agree, and it's – 
and it's really quite staggering, to be honest with you. Listen, we, we know in any work environment, when you have no respect, trust, or like for your, whether it's your superior, whether it's your boss, in this case, your head coach, it, it, you create a toxic environment where you don't have an identity because you don't want the identity of your head coach. We already know that it's well documented that the players, they do not very politely they do not care for Jim Boylan. You can totally tell in between the timeouts and like after big wins and stuff, Jim Boylan tries to do a quick lap like you've never yeah. seen him bust his ass yeah. so hard to get on the court for some high fives and everyone just kind of finds a really like cool yeah. way to just Oh, I missed you, Jim. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. Shaking this hand right now, Jim. I'll get yeah. to you in a second. Like, yeah. So you when can you tell have, they don't like it. When you don't have respect for the authority that is in place in your organization, it, it's a losing battle. It's a losing battle. So. And what is that? Like, I mean, yeah, we'll get to Boylan. Obviously, it stems to the top, right? And, you know, who are the last two coaches that you could prob- on the Bulls that you could probably truly say that gave the team an identity? Probably Scott Skiles and Tom yep, Thibodeau. Yep, yep. And both those guys ended up clashing with the organization and eventually got fired. Yeah. They got rid of Scott Skiles during Christmas. I mean, that just should tell oh, you. Oh, yeah. Tis the season. Everything you want to know about how the organization runs its organization, treats its management, treats its players. <laughs> Christmas. Happy anniversary, yeah, Scott yeah, Skiles. You know? To the day that we dropped your yeah. ass. And then with Tibbs, you know, they got rid of uh, Adams. His, you know, his most valued assistant, coach. which when, is a total power play. When, yeah, when has a GM ever cared about who your assistant coaches are? To the fact that they go and fire him. I mean, that was a complete dig at Thibodeau to get him, you know, uh, to, oh, to force him some, out to some, some degree. sort of power yeah. move or just some yeah. sort of way to get him to yeah. like play ball into whatever this. And then, and that's the thing that I keep driving at is it seems to be that all these moves are made in some sort of attempt to be something. But yet at the top, when we talk about Gar and we talk about Paxson and to a further extent the Reinsdorf family, we really kind of have, have no idea what they are about or what they are trying to do other than when we find out that these correlating, you know, honestly kind of weird dipshitty moves yep. keep happening. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, they didn't play they didn't play ball to what their system is. Well, what is their yeah, system? Yeah, yeah. What is that? Exactly? Well, again, I mean, I, I don't know if we should have this discussion now, but oh, like whatever it, it is, it, let's just it, do it. It starts from the very, very top. In yes. this case, Chairman Reinsdorf. Yes. Uh, it's It's been well documented that you know, Jerry's first love has always been baseball. I thought you were going to say money. <laughs> well, that no, no. And that that's a one A. Yeah. One yeah, yeah, A answer. Yeah. But like he famously told Peter Gammons, this is right before the year that they won uh, the White Sox won the World Series. Uh-huh. Ryan Zorf is also the owner of the Chicago White Sox. He told them that I would gladly give up my basketball championships for one World Series ring. That's oh what he uh, documented that he told Peter Gammon. So right there, that tells you his president. Didn't he also famously say that like second place is just as good to first? Keeps, keeps your team hungry fan, and keeps, keeps your fans, fans hungry. Keeps the fans yep. hungry. Yeah. And so which it, isn't wrong. He's not incorrect, but that is still a very that is a real Scrooge thing to say. Yeah. And and let's I mean, let's give him his props. He's won six NBA championships, mm-hmm. one World Series championship. Yes. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. He is. So to some extent, his legacy is cemented. Whether you care for him or not, that that resume is. I mean, are, is there an owner that's got a better resume than Jerry Reinsdorf? You'd be hard. You'd be hard pressed to yeah. find it. And yeah. obviously, we're not talking Two about sports. We're not talking about Jimmy Dolan yeah. on the Knicks and stuff like yeah. that. We are talking about a guy who's had proven success and achievements in the past. And 
I guess like the thing that I guess the thing about it that is been confusing to me, right, is they're either delusional in the concept of, you know, one day we're just going to keep we're going to nab this this big free agent, which honestly hasn't happened for 20 years. Right. I don't think they've ever really been afraid to ever to spend money. Right. Well, I, I, I kind of because I disagree to some small point with that only because uh, in doing my research. He's never once gone into the luxury tax range. This is true. This year, maybe, potentially, depending on what they do during right, right, the right. trades. But, I mean, so he's uh, – it's almost – I feel like there's almost more of an illusion of, of him willing to put the big money That's forward. That's fair because than, I guess you could really think about it, too. Is like, why did they trade Jimmy Butler, right? Yeah. And it was because, uh, you know, the, the, the narrative was that they didn't think that he was a star and they didn't want to pay him max money. Well, guess what? I guess maybe in theory paying Jimmy, keeping him on the team and pairing him with someone else and going into that luxury tax, maybe that yeah, was the move. Yeah. And also, I mean, uh, as a side uh, side note with Jimmy Butler, I, I honestly think just by addition, by subtraction, we won out on getting rid of Jimmy Butler. The guy's been on three teams in three seasons. That should kind of tell you all there is to know about Jimmy Butler as the person, as, as, as a guy who has kind of proven to be a diva. Um, I don't know yeah, when I, that came about, but I mean, very much so a diva. These I'm, days. I'm with you. I'm conflicted on it, though, in the sense of like, did we capitalize on our asset? You know what I mean? I, you know, yes. Uh, Zach Levine, we ended up giving him 80 million. Chris Dunn, interesting defensive two way rotation player. And I guess Laurie is that X factor, right? Yeah, like yeah. you really need to. It'll hinge on Laurie. Right. And, and you're yeah. getting three players. And you're asking yourself, can one of them turn into an all-star? And if one of them can't turn into an all-star, are those three players going to help turn a, a basketball sure. team into a playoff sure. team? And in a weird way, also at the same time, has prohibited us, I think, from fully tanking. Yeah. Because I guess with those packs and teams way way back in the day, we were getting those number two picks, those number three sure. picks, those number two picks. But that's the thing now. Picks. Like, we can't even... It, through no fault of our own, because of the way the NBA draft lottery has been restructured, tanking doesn't even guarantee anything. We were we were slotted at for no worse than the fourth pick, right? Ended up with the seventh this year. Where did New Orleans? I think New Orleans was like eleven. They but then yeah, they they the hopped one. from like ten or yeah. eleven all the yeah. way up to one. So I mean, even today, and I guess partly so. That's kind of in a great way the league's league's response to not tanking is that tanking doesn't even guarantee you the top, you know, one, two, third, third pick. Um, so even and it depends point, on the draft of who you're going to get at yeah, that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, coming up for this season, you know, there, as far as I'm aware, there's not really a generational player in this draft. I know there's that center out of Memphis, the guard out of Wiseman. Uh, yeah. And the guard out of Georgia. And then um, that that seems like another point guard out of UNC. But I, as of right now, they don't seem like they're generational talents you know in the, in the vein of zion and i know we've had kind of our back and forth oh maybe we could do a whole pod yeah, on exactly. zion and let's yeah. be honest here my side's not looking that great i'm a huge zion guy and honestly i don't know if he's going to play okay even if he does play this season he's also now in the boat where the pelicans are so bad that they will shut him down exactly right? so minutes restriction point, at best so 25 games this season for zion over under I'm probably going under. Yeah, and yeah. here's what's even better. Our good friend Aaron Hagel just traded away Zion this morning <laughs> to his brother, uh, Zion oh, and Kemba, a little bit of a in a package for Anthony there, Davis. Anyways, okay, we're getting, getting away from ourselves. Yeah. I want to stick with the macro for a second, but I want to yeah. do one yeah, more yeah, micro yeah. thing. Yes. Kobe White, early thoughts. You know, um, 
I think he's got potential. I think his best case scenario, speaking of bowls from years past, is a Ben Gordon type player. You know, yes. instant O, uh, sixth man of the year. But I, you know, again, you know, my 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 uh, judgments are worth two cents. But um, I think his cap is, you know, again Ben Gordon, Jamal Crawford, that kind of guy who can come in, get you some quick buckets, but. In terms of being a franchise player, I don't see it as of yet. Uh, the other thing is that he's not a point guard. Um, he's never going to be, at least as of right now, from all indications that we've seen on this gameplay, he's not going to be a guy that facilitates the offense. He's a guy that's going to come in, create his own offense, you know, hit those outside shots. But, he's, yeah, he is not a point guard in the sense of a traditional point guard that for a high ladder pick like that is someone that you would pick to run your offense, to dictate the flow of the game. I mean, he's, he's kind of, uh, yeah, uh, uh, a one-on-one creator. At least that's what it seems right now to me. He's 19 years old, right? So he's already shown you plenty of nights where he's two for nine. You know what I mean? And then he's shown you those other nights too. And I believe he did it the other night where, you know, Hits a couple threes in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Next thing you know, he hits five threes in the fourth quarter. He, all of a sudden, he's got 19 points. You know what I mean? On and on and on. Yeah. He can get hot. Um, I can agree with you. I like him a lot. I like his makeup a lot. I do like the fact that he can drive, um, draw contact, finish, and or get to the free throw line. And I do like the fact that he can shoot threes because I think perhaps he's the best three-point shooter on our team yeah, yeah. right now. I mean, yeah. outside of maybe Zach Levine. So I think there's a lot to like there, but I'm with you, though. There, I definitely do see a ceiling. I'm a little surprised at – and maybe this will come with time, but I'm just kind of curious to see what else – what secondary skill will he be able to, like, grow and mature as he gets older and better as a basketball player? He ju- he does will see- he be a better playmaker? Yeah. Or will he be a guy who can, you know, maybe become a threat on the defensive end? I'm not really sure. And if those things don't happen – I think you're right, though. Like, you know, he's going to become a sixth man du jour. The Jamal Crawfords, the Lou Williams, the Ben Gordons, you know, Mm -hmm. those guys that come in and get you 12 points really quick. With that being but again, said, that's the he, same. That's the same type of player we've been drafting the last two or three years. Okay, yeah, uh, it, there is some indication that I've seen in his gameplay where he does have great court vision. It does seem like that. So to eventually uh, become a guy that facilitates the offense. He does have that potential, but right now it's just potential. There's no indication right now that he's that guy, that he's going to be your Chris Paul. He's going to be, you know, any of these high-level point guards that we see. But with that being said, I think we need to hand him the keys right now. Let him let him get his run. You know, whether whether he's shooting two for 30, you know, whether he's shooting nine for nine. Yeah, I was seriously just about to ask you that. Like, so what do you do from a Bulls organization standpoint? Like, you're one game out of the playoff race. I know, like, they're 12 and 19, but that is still a reality. You have made the playoffs in several years. Your attendance is going down. But at the same time, you got this 19-year-old kid who honestly should uh, – and I, it's a philosophy thing, right? Like, should you just be letting him play his 25 minutes every single night? He goes three for 15, no big deal. Or the other nights he goes, you know, eight for 14, no big deal. You just keep riding him out. Or are you doing – because Boylan's doing this thing where he's making him earn it. You, you, one night yeah. he doesn't have it. Yeah. You know, he misses a couple open threes, and all of a sudden he's sitting on the bench playing 12 minutes yeah. a night. Yeah. I don't think that does anyone good. No. I understand that that's a philosophy of, like, you got to earn you got to earn your minutes in this league. But that seems like a weird meat-headed Old no, school version of thinking. Very much so. And, you know, especially when we're talking about positions, you know, there was that, uh, I, I don't know if it's still in vogue, that idea that like a center or a big man you have to bring along slowly, right? Uh-huh. But I, 
it, it, you miss a defensive assignment. Yeah, your ass yeah. is on the but bench. But like in terms of a point guard, like those guys are pretty much ready right out of the shoot. You know, it's like you give them their minutes. You let. It, it, there's nothing that replaces game experience. And right now, you need to give Kobe that game experience because one to just see if he's the guy, and then two to you know you you need the minutes to develop. And you know it'd be one thing if he was playing behind uh, you know who's 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 a, who's a high level point guard right now. Like it'd be oh, one like thing a Russell be, well, yeah, Russell yeah. Westbrook it'd be or something one thing like that. Yeah. But like he's playing behind the likes of Thomas Adaransky. He's playing you know behind the likes of you know. It, he's losing. He's minutes. losing minutes to Chris yeah. Dunn. Yeah, and Ryan Archidiaco. You know, yeah. so it's like, and I probably I totally butcher his name because I can never say Ryan's last name properly. But uh, yeah, so you know, when when you're when you're competing for minutes with guys who are, I mean, you know, more power to guys like Ryan and Tom, Thomas and all these players that we have at point guard right now. It seems like we have like eighty point guards on the roster. But if he's your lottery pick and he's the guy that you're pegging to be, hopefully the future or at least one of the pieces to your future. You gotta let him run. Is John Lucas the third still on our team? I, I can't mean, tell. Wow. It's possible. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very yeah, possible. Yeah. I, I think we're in agreement on that, though, right? Like, I want to see Kobe White in every situation possible. I want to see him running the offense against the opponents' number ones. Um, I want to see him also, uh, you know, kind of light it up against the twos too, as well. I want to see him in the fourth quarter playing significant minutes. Because what do we have to lose? What do we have Nothing. to lose? We're Nothing. Uh, and here's and here's the thing that I wanted to get to is, and you just brought it up is, you know. Playoffs aside, what do you want this team to be in March? In like, let's just play a fantasy out of like, what would you be kind of happy? What scenario would make you happy in March? Right now, I mean, you can look at it one of two ways: making the eighth seed and getting yourself back into the playoffs. Hey, there's always a chance when you get yeah, to the maybe playoffs, winning right? a win, or winning a home game, yeah. game I mean, three it, or something. It may be a point oh 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 one chance, but there's always a chance if you make the playoffs. And I, I think more so psychologically, both for the players and as well as the fan base, you're you're showing yourself and your fans that you're improving, that there's something to build forward to. So from that standpoint, you know, making the playoffs as the eighth seed, I I, I want that. Even if we get you know shut out, you know, that first round. Uh, on the other hand, it's like, well, what does that really do us if we get shot out what in the first round? Then? Right? What happens then? What happens next? <laughs> yeah. So, and then back to our early point about the lottery, like tanking once again doesn't improve anything. If like, you know, if if even if we finish with the worst record, as as these last couple of draft years have proven, uh, lottery years have proven, that doesn't guarantee you a top three, top four pick. Yeah, and every single year, and especially this year, of course, everything kind of flushes itself out as the season goes along in the tournament, but it doesn't seem like that there's yeah. the John Morant or yeah. the Zion Williamson coming out of yeah. this draft. The Wiseman, the Wiseman's going to be a very interesting case where I've seen brief flashes of him. He looks talented, but we don't really have a lot of just don't have a lot of tape on yeah. him. So it's going to be really kind of hard to tell. And those, and this is the dual front that the bulls must face, right? Is you have to figure out a way to get high end talent. while at the same time, I mean, I'm on board with you where I hate to say it, but going to the playoffs this year probably would be the best thing for the organization right now, because you want some of these players that are on your team growing to actually show you some success. Yeah. It gives you legitimacy. Close out a game. And like, the bigger picture is right. I mean, I think the bigger picture is because once again, if we tank, whether we get the first pick or the 14th in the lottery, a little bit of a crapshoot, right? I mean, that's just the very nature of any draft. But I think 
And with the Bulls uh, selecting these draft picks in the recent history, exactly. uh, we haven't done so great at finding the gems yeah. necessarily anyway. So. But I think if you, uh, to some degree, solidify yourself as a competent team that can make the playoffs, even if it is one and done, you're kind of showing the league that, hey, this this – this team may have something going, you know, maybe something for the future. And that leads into our biggest question, because once again, as we said, drafting in the lottery, that's a crapshoot if that guy develops, much less the fact that it'll probably take three or four years for that guy to develop and the player he becomes. But to me, what's an absolute travesty is that Chicago, we're the third lar- largest market in the country, one of the biggest cities in the world. We cannot attract any free agents to come to the city, which, again, that has to do with, like, why would I play for a loser? Why would I play for an organization that's kind of dysfunctional? So, I mean, to kind of get back on that winning bent of making the playoffs, you know, these are incremental steps. But at least it's starting to prove to other players who would even maybe even slightly consider coming to Chicago. And here's the deal. Devil's advocate for you. The Bulls make the playoffs this season. That means Jim Boylan stays your coach. That also means, you know, Jim Pack, uh, sorry, John Paxson and Gar Foreman probably stick around too as well. Which also means, on top of that, maybe they start pitching to the fan base that we're not as far away as everyone sure, thinks sure. they do. You know what I mean? And that's sort of the point that we're at. And and that's really the scary thing is right is the Bulls have been so bad now for the last six or seven years. They really need to kind of do a whole clean house with the way that they run their entire organization, the talent finding, the coaching structure, all of it. But we've already been so bad. What is a lower point of bad that would actually make them want to do that? I don't know if there is one. Well, here's the question I have for you. Yeah, like. Well, I mean, regardless of whether we are absolutely horrible or show some, you know, elevated play. A glimpse. What? In our history has proven to you that, once again, bringing it back to Mr. Reinsdorf, that he would make any sort of move in either direction. Because say what you will about Jerry Reinsdorf, he is loyal to a fault. So as long as he has his cronies, Paxson and Foreman, and then Boylan by extension. Kenny Williams. You know, it's like, <laughs> what, what incentive does he have to restructure the organization? Not much other than unless, you know, the United Center's attendance you know, goes in the tank or something along those sure. lines. Uh, once or... he stops making money, because to him, it's a business ultimately. If he's making money, just like the Cubs before the Ricketts took over, just like the Blackhawks before Rocky Wirtz took over, it's like if we're if if I'm making money, w- what is the incentive to put you know to pay for a higher or a better team? On and on top of that, I would not be surprised or shocked to find out that the Bulls still would make a ton of money even if the attendance wasn't great because sure. of the Jordan era. The Bulls logo, even in merchandising alone, internationally, still has to mean something. Yeah, yeah. it's so, a brand. It yeah, is a brand. Yeah, yeah. And it's so recognizable. And that's really what's so sad about the Bulls organization is so many people know who it is. And, you know, our city used to be, oh, it's Chicago El Capone. And now it's a hey, Chicago Michael Jordan. Yeah, you know, exactly. that is that is still a part of the Bulls brand and how they pitch it moving yeah. forward. You know, they do seem to conveniently be able to just kind of hold their hands up and, you know, "Uh, we're rebuilding, let the kids grow and all this stuff without really having to make a concerted effort to be better. Because of his loyalty to his henchmen, I, you know, I I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I, until Jerry Reinsdorf either steps down, which is not going to happen, or sells the team, which is not going to happen, 
in terms of a restructuring or of the organization, I just don't see that happening. So ultimately, it's going to come down to getting a fluke luck kind of type situation back, you know, a la 2008 when we had a 1.7. Well, put on your lightning gloves. Yeah. Let's go in the backyard and try yeah. and catch some lightning. 1.7% <laughs> chance of landing Derrick Rose. We, 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 got, we got him. So, oh, I mean, man. outside of uh, 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 just a fluke situation like that, I don't really see this, this team restructuring itself into, into, a, a, into a, a top echelon team. That, that it should be. Do you think they'll make any trades? Do you think it's there's a possibility for well that uh, here's a trade the thing. of some kind? What are our assets? Because right now, right, like well, I, our, I, our one asset has a bum foot, exactly, who and, may miss the rest of the season in Otto Porter Jr. And then you know, I, I know they continue to say that Laurie is untouchable, but even even if he was out on the market because of his down year, you're getting less than value for you know a trade for Laurie. So obviously, then it comes down to Zach. We trade Zach away, and unless we get I, I I don't even know. Are there any like prospects on the table for a Zach Levine trade? But no, nothing that I've heard of. I mean, I think basically the way that the money would work, he probably will become more of an attractive asset this off season moving forward. So clearly, like if you're a Bulls fan, you know this, is it, this works on. Yeah, this is the second of yeah. I believe a four year. Yeah. So as a Bulls fan, on two fronts, you want Zach Levine to have his, uh, an All Star season. Sure, you want sure. him to lead you to the playoffs, yeah. and you want him to show. That at the very least he can be a capable number one scorer sure, on a team, sure. so you could possibly flip him. Um, but what do we? Uh, what's the best case scenario for that? Flipping him for a player or flipping him for draft picks? Because then again, I can't. I just I can't stomach. Uh, hey, we could have a top three draft pick. We could have that kid out a shot at the kid out of Memphis. We have roster flexibility, yeah. <laughs> and then end up with the eighth pick again or seventh pick again. So it's like uh, the stomaching of 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 starting another rebuild is like just it's just oh god yeah no it's tough, it's tough to say and you know it's, it's also tough to say in the nba market who would be available come you know tomorrow you know obviously you know let's just throw a guy like bradley beal out there mm-hmm. as a very popular trade candidate name even though he said that he has no intention of leaving he signed the extension and they have no intention of trading him you know stuff changes at any moment you know would there be a world where a zach levine and wendell carter trade for Bradley Beal be a situation that the Bulls would even be interested in or could even be possible you know I do like Wendell Carter I think he probably is our most attractive trade piece right now but I probably wouldn't trade him and it seems like he's being like underused and underutilized and his game could possibly be more or is he maybe just a guy that's playing in a different era just a big man that can't stretch the floor enough to really become a true asset sure sure and I will say uh, I personally I mean, I personally wouldn't mind seeing uh, Wendell Carter moved because of my man, Daniel Gafford, who <laughs> is starting to show now that he's getting some now that he's getting some actual minutes to play. And that is another that's another one. We need to be running him. Yes. out Every single night. And I don't care it, it, he's got to play at least 15 minutes yeah. a night. You got to figure out a way to squeeze 15 minutes. In for Daniel Gafford. He is showing some flashes that are starting to make him look like a steal in the draft. I mean, very eerily similar to when we drafted Taj Gibson. I, I I really think they're kind of the same player. These these high energy, high defensive guys who, as it turns out, are you know fifty percent, seventy five percent more athletic than we thought they were. I mean, the fact that the way he's getting up for whether it's like you know a lob pass dunk or you know a rebound no, and a block, the dude's it's amazing. Jump. It's amazing. He's athletic. Yeah. He's got like a little speed to him. Yeah, and 
you know, it's just, it's just a weird, it's just a weird thing. Like, and obviously again, it's this middle area that we can't get around. Right. It's like, we should be playing a guy like Gafford all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got, and that's what you're talking about when, you know, when Boylan was like, why did you bench your starters or whatever in the fourth quarter? This was a while ago, earlier sure. in the season. He's like, I, I'm in charge of developing 12 guys. Yeah. That was the biggest bullshit line ever because you got to be developing a guy like Gafford, right? For two reasons. One, if he turns into a guy, that's great. Two, if you were ever to put together a mega package trade situation, right? It's the Daniel Gaffords that really kind of cross the finish line sure. with that, right? Like you've got your first future first and stuff like you know, let's just let's play in a fantasy land world because Christmas is on the way. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I got the spirit of the North Pole in me right now. <laughs> Santa Slick can hear the bells and stuff. So let's just say in a world where the Bulls were to put together a trade package for Giannis. Sure. Let's just play that okay. out. Right. Obviously. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Right. So you're talking, salivating. Yeah, I know. So you're talking obviously Zach Levine, like Wendell Carter. Tons of future first, right? Mm-hmm. And then they would probably want one more piece. Yeah. And if you were the Bulls, you'd probably be resistant to really part with anyone else, unless it was a guy maybe like a Daniel Gafford mm-hmm. who's like, oh, well, you know, we could probably use this guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's got a little length. He can protect the rim. Like, you at least need to bring him up to a place where he's established. Sure, sure. Where that could even become a possibility. Yeah, yeah. My dream is over. I'm awake. No, Sorry. it's it was, a very. It was my uh, eight sleep. It was my eight sleep. Bob, it's I, a very it was, it was uh, George a Costanza. Uh, you know, we could trade for. Uh, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Barry Bonds for. You know, for you know Ken Phelps. Let's pull the trigger. Here's what I'm thinking. Shaq comes out of retirement. <laughs> we get him into shape. But that's where we're at, man. Like that's and that's what's unbelievable about like this bull season. Pardon I, the pun. I, I will admit we were uh, we were. We were optimistic coming into this year that we didn't think that it was more so than to, last season. Yes. It wasn't going to yeah. be the Shaq Harrisons and you yes. know what I mean of yeah. the world like just playing you know twenty five minutes sure. tonight. We were actually going to see some pieces in a rotation of guys like actually playing together, and I think we have sort of gotten that in some stretch. Yeah, and you know, like I said, like they are showing. I mean, a fractional by we're talking by fractions, but they're showing a little bit more consistency than last year. They're showing a little bit more effort. Um, I just. Uh, yeah, to to your point, that missing piece is that number one player. And until we get that number one player, whether it's because we've developed him internally, trade for him, pick up a free agent, uh, you know, we're just we're just going to be a middling team. And uh, that's just that's just the the state of the facts right now for the Chicago Bulls franchise. And where we're at, right? The only plausible, most likely scenario of that is probably through the draft, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I probably wouldn't trust our front office to make the necessary trade to actually acquire said person. Yeah. Have the savvy to be able to do that. Yeah. The free agency thing, you know, we can go on and on about it. We both love Chicago. Mm-hmm. We love our city. It's a beautiful place to live. Mm-hmm. Five months out of the year, and then the, uh, sometimes the other. The other sure. seven are, are a total waste. But, you know, there's beautiful culture, architecture, food, entertainment. That's why Paul Gasol wanted to come yeah, here, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the museum. Yeah. Come on, check out the opera. So we know that the city is great, but for whatever reason, obviously, for the last 19, 20 years, you know, the prime free agents don't end up wanting to go here. But I, and in the end, I can't blame them because what, what happens, right? Like, we almost got McGrady. Where did he go? Orlando, sure. Grand Hill, sure. same cl- same situation. Went to Orlando. Sure. Tim Duncan made a visit. He stayed in San Antonio. Like, 
LeBron, and where did those guys go? They went to Miami. Like, all these guys just go to warm, warm weather climates. Like, I mean, I can't fully blame them, right? No, no. But, I mean, again, once again, is that more so a matter of climate? Or is that more so, again, a matter of, like, the organization and not trusting? Ooh, a metaphorical climate, you mean. Yeah, exactly. The climate you know? and the organization. So it's, I, listen, I think, again, you put a functional – you know, organization together from top to bottom where you have a strong GM, you have a strong, you know, head coach, that's going to, that's going to be, that's going to be attractive to players to come to Chicago. Cause again, there is this idea of, you know, kind of fulfilling this legacy left over. And, and again, maybe that's actually a detriment. Maybe the, the aura of Michael Jordan looming over, you know, the city, maybe that maybe players don't want to fulfill that. Yeah. But, I never really thought the shadow situation was really that big of a deal because as personally as a Bulls fan, Jordan is so high up for me that to compare him to another player is is silly. It's ridiculous. And, I, and if I were to ever talk to a, a impending prospective free agent that wanted to maybe come to Chicago, I would tell him, dude, don't worry about it because we're never going to do that. Like, we're never going to compare you directly to him. Like, we love D. Rose not only because he was, you know, the city's son. Sure. But, I mean, we loved him because he was talented and awesome. We never for once were like, well, you'll never be Jordan. Yeah. Or like, yeah. you never yeah. scored. You know, we never yep. we never did that. I don't think we ever would do that. Um, I think in a weird way, you know, when Kobe almost got traded to Chicago, I think he sort of got that at, at a time. But, uh, you know, and I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of NBA prospective free agents listening to this pod, and I just want to let oh, them yeah, know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony Davis, right? He's, yeah, he said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> I could maybe one day. And, you know, I think ultimately, like, right now, we're just used for fodder for other bigger he's, chess piece moves. Real quick, he's single, right? Like, he's not married. I, that I don't know. He's got to be single because that was the most, like, single dude thing to say in your 20s <laughs> ever. Where, like, you're just so noncommittal about it where you're like, yeah, you know, Chicago's a great – yeah. City, you know, maybe I'd one day date Chicago, yeah. but if Chicago ever asked Anthony Davis out on a date, he'd be like, yeah. "Sure." <laughs> like, I mean, our best case scenario is kind of all of the Fab Five, all of kind of like the super teams that have kind of they themselves have kind of forced their way into a situation is getting for whatever reason, whether it's because they have some Chicago affiliation because they grew up in the city or so forth. You need that one guy who kind of then attracts the other guy, and then they kind of come as a group package together. That's you mean really... it's not Jim Boylan? No, 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 no. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, and again, uh, I think unfortunately we've kind of resigned ourselves to the, this era of Bulls basketball. So it, it, it's the norm now. So um, wanting more, like what, what? What is more? Like yeah, that's the, the question. And what that is, is the thing is, I, I think last season. You know, with the moves that we made in the offseason compared to last season, I think we all knew that the season was going to be a little bit more entertaining. It was going to be a team that we could actually watch and a team that had the capacity for progress and growth. And we are actually seeing that thus far this season. Now, we're talking during a stretch when they they do have a very soft schedule, so they are having the opportunity to win a couple of games, and we'll see where they're at in a couple months. And now that we're seeing that growth and progress, we are – I think pleasantly surprised, but we are definitely asking ourselves the question of where does this go? Where does this growth go in the end? And I just don't think it goes very far. And so I you're in favor of a rebuild, of a complete kind of like, hey, we need to tear this um, down, get some draft yeah, picks in. I, honestly, I mean, I would at the end of the season, I would 
I mean, thank you, John, for hitting that game-winning shot against the Suns, and thank you for your service. Thank you for creating those wonderful, you know, Scott Skiles, you know, second-round playoff teams. Thank you for drafting D Rose. You, that was your real, your mind. Yeah, oh. your mind made that happen, John yeah. Paxson. <laughs> but no, I mean, honestly, I think he's been a great steward of the franchise for a while as a face. I just don't think his decisions have been awesome. I would get rid of everybody, do a whole new scouting system. I would try and get somebody young possibly in at the very top in terms of coaches you know there aren't really a lot of like hot coaches or names no, i think no. you can go out and find a very serviceable guy like you hear the names like the monty williams every year those sure. guys kind of pop back up again and i would just try and start with a whole you know brand new vision and see what that vision looked like on this set of players and then kind of go from there you know all that fun trade stuff that we were talking about earlier i don't really see a realistic scenario of doing it i was just talking about more in the sense of how do you put yourself in the position to do that. Sure. Sure. Uh, I mean, again, unfortunately it's going to come down to luck. Is it, that, that's, yeah. that's the bottom line. It's, you know, it's hitting on finally hitting on that one draft pick, you know, to kind of hit, uh, you know, uh, getting because of some weird uh, circumstance, you know, we've got max money and then getting that one guy who's kind of got lost out of the shuffle. Cause usually there's always that there's that one or two free agent name that because of all the big name moves kind of gets lost out of the shuffle. And then they're scrambling for, Hey, I just want to get that max money from that team mm-hmm. comes to Chicago. Um, to and every your... once in a while you do find that free agent that goes to a new team and, and blooms into something a little bit better than what he was before yeah. and can become that fringe all-star or something. I definitely I mean, that's think that's what that we're hoping for Otto best, Porter, right? Yeah, yeah. Best case scenario for a Bulls type team. Yeah. Otto Porter coming back and perhaps coming in that type, yeah. type, type if of If he can player. stay healthy. I mean, yeah, yeah. right now, like he's now kind of has already proven to be a little bit injury prone. Now, so, so the 12 and 19 Bulls. <laughs> We covered it, baby. We're going to do – we've got a couple more minutes left, but I wanted to just ask you. I'm putting you on the spot. So if you don't think of anything, spot. don't worry about it. All but right. I want to – what I love about my friend Mike here are he's got, some, he's got some takes. He's got some hard takes. He's got some hot takes. So I want to go into the hard take, hot take, hot box Let's right now. With Let's Mike. do it. Let's do it. And I just want to see what you, what do you got? What do you what are you dealing with right now? What's, what's rambling around in your head? It doesn't have to be bulls. It can kind of be anything. Could be White Sox if you want to. I do want to bring you back. We want to do some White Sox no, talk at some point. God. Is there anything going on right now that's making you mad? I know Dallas Keuchel's kind of making you mad. That that signing again. Wow. I mean, we kind of had a discussion before, but very reminiscent of like the Jake Peavy signing, where ultimately, and hey, he had a great year. He had a great year for uh, the Astros. What I think it was like three years ago now, right? When he won the Cy Young, maybe four, but 2015, I believe. Yeah. So, but barely been an above 500 pitcher so i think that signing is horrible um you know uh, I, I know we need bodies in that rotation but god i we i think we could have would you done that internally you, yeah do you think so the couple of things that i've read over the last couple of days about the white Sox that i find interesting is as it stands right now i believe their payroll is going to be either 130 or 140 million dollars which is up from 114 from last season so they had a lot of money come off the books. They've spent a lot of money. So you're like, oh, wow, they're making a splash. Sure. But their payroll really hasn't gone up that much. And my pitch to the White Sox would be to try and figure out a way to add 20 more million to that. And you're at 160, okay? That's not at the very top. That's not at the very bottom. I think that's a very respectable number in a baseball city like Chicago. Sure, that is beautiful sure. and awesome, right? So you got $20 million to play with. Would you feel better about that Dallas Keuchel signing 
if I I read an article about a rumor about Charlie Morton possibly being on the trade block with Tampa Bay. He's 36, doesn't have a lot of money left, but again, another quality I guy. I mean, isn't that we're a James Shield? You're basically rebuilding up? the Astros rotation yeah. from two or three years ago, granted, but you know, what if they went out and they did do, end up doing Castellanos or one more piece? Oh, I would like the Castellanos. Would, yeah, we just start in, to yeah. sort of feel better about all this. No, I end. feel that. I feel. I feel great. I mean, here's a hot take. I. I I think the White Sox are going to make the playoffs next there year. There we go. Now we got it. I mean, there. I mean, look at it this way. I mean, if we want to take a look at the North side, it's very similar to like that very quick rebuild that the Cubs did, and now the White Sox have like cornerstone pieces at ev- almost every position. You know, they have a true number one starter. Uh, you know, they just signed uh, Grandal, and I, I was actually a big McCann fan, so. I, I don't know how much overall that Grandal's going to have, but you know they made that splash. Yeah. Mankata, As of now, you know, the DH is going to be this uh, rotating yeah. door, right? Where yeah. it could be Grandal in some days with McCann behind yeah. the plate. It could be Abreu some days. You know, yeah. what I mean, you can kind of move all that different stuff around. And again, with Lewis Roberts coming up, another like I huge love, I love prospect. Him. So I love him. You know, I mean, like literally, like what? I mean, what position are we weak at? I just uh, second base. The rotation. Well, sure, but again, I mean, that's you know, I I would, you know, I will say with Keuchel that does make our top three pretty solid. I mean, if if we have to kind of scrounge around for four and five, that's fine. But uh, you know, with uh, you know, obviously Giolito now with Keuchel, I actually think Gio Gonzalez is going to probably be a better signing pound for pound than Dallas Keuchel will be. So we'll we'll see if that plays out. But yeah, if if obviously this is always every year with every baseball organization, if the pitching staff can kind of, you know, just keep their heads out of the water in this era of offensive baseball, where your backup uh, shortstop is hitting 20 plus homers. We have that kind of offense potentially in place from one to nine. I mean, that, that, that lineup is as solid as pretty much any in baseball. It is pretty solid with tons of potential. in it. I mean, I think we've, I, I personally fail to realize, I think, how good Eloy Jimenez is going to be next yeah, year yeah. compared to him. I mean, he still hit 31 home runs last year. You know, it's funny, he, right? He's going to be a better, more polished hitter. Yeah. He's going to be an RBI machine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find that to be very intriguing. Tim love Ander- that they signed Abreu. Yeah, I love that they brought Abreu yeah. back. Yep. He's still hitting the ball hard, and obviously yep. like they love him on the team. He's basically like... You he's know, the Anthony the, Rizzo of the White Sox. I was Sox. Say the Paul Canerco. Yeah, he's, he's literally, yeah. He's you definitely know. like the heart and soul of it all. I guess my part is I'm still a little hesitant. I just see a scenario in my head of the White Sox are up 4-1 to one and Jason Benetti's, uh, you know, rocking the call. It's the third or fourth inning. And then I just see scenarios like Gio, Keuchel, Ronaldo Lopez getting in trouble in the fourth or fifth yeah. inning. All of a sudden, it's four three four four, and you're in the fifth and sixth inning, and you're dealing with not just your back in the bullpen guys, who the White Sox actually with Colome and Bummer and stuff have some, like, kind of some decent arms in the back end. It's that middle end where, you know, what are we? Are we going to be looking at Carson Fulmer with runners on first and second and nobody out in the sixth inning in a tie game? I mean, those are the situations that I think are going to separate them from possibly becoming. That playoff team yeah, you're talking yeah. about, but you know, a couple more. Well, moves and, and also knows. the X factor is, I mean, God, if he could ever just stay healthy, he's shown the ability to kind of be a top line pitcher. But I don't. Is, is Carlos Rodon? Is he supposed to be ready by spring training? Do you, uh, you do know, you know what, man? 
the lead singer of Mumford and Sons? I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, but he's got the stuff. I know he does. And he's he, he shown. Can, he can't stay healthy, and I'm not a you know I'm not a pitch specialist or anything like that. But I watch that dude pitch, and I just don't think he has a very natural way. So you think it's mechanics that is kind of causing I these? I think it's mechanics. Yearly, he's, he's got a weird leverage thing. He stands up really tall. And he looks like he delivers the ball with more arm than he does, like, his lower legs. Sure, sure. I kind of question whether he's, like, in shape, like, the shape that he really, like, truly should be in. Okay, Like, okay. you know, remember Ryan Dempster? You're like, oh, yeah, he's a pitcher. And then he came back that one year and was, like, really, yeah. really, mm-hmm. really in shape and then became the person and pitcher that he was. Yep. Like, I think kind of that's something that Rodon sort of needs a little bit. I don't know if he's going to do that, but. But again, like I think in this era of sports, not just baseball, I mean, we're talking football, we're talking basketball. It's, it's like, hey, if we're putting, you know, if we're giving up five runs a game, who cares if we're putting up eight, nine, ten runs a game? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, they're going to win a lot of games eight to seven this yeah, year. It's yeah. going to be super fun. Um, but again, when those things happen, I do trend to, I do lean towards the lower end of the spectrum. So I think they won 72 games last year. I still kind of see them in the 70s. In terms of wins right, sure. right now. But. And the bigger question, especially right in baseball, is uh, how strong or not the division will be as a whole um, in right. terms of – Indians yeah. definitely taking a step back. Sure, Twins sure. Twins were really good last year. Keep that was, the Twins went out, and they spent a lot of money on one-year free agent deals. That sure. team is going to look very, very different coming back this year than they did last year. I don't know if they're going to have as much pop in the bat. You do wonder about – regression to the mean in a couple yeah. of areas there. And then honestly, Kansas city is not really interested in going anywhere. No. Yet. Yeah. And like with the twins, I feel like that that's cause like every, every, I remember every time looking at, you know, the, the, the standings like, wait, the twins are in first place. Hey, the twins are like one of the best records in baseball. Yeah. It's like, so I, to me, uh, to your point of regression to the mean, I think they were just and more power to them playing out of their heads last season. So, yeah, no, I mean, they, you know, they went out and they picked up like the Jonathan scopes and the Nelson cruises. And then they paired that with, you know, a guy who I think is a talented player, Eddie Rosario, sure, who's on the sure. trade block right now. For some reason, I find that to be fairly strange. Hmm, okay. I, I'm not sure why that's happening. Um, and then, you know, they had, you know, the Miguel Sano kind of came on like later in the year. Sure, sure. And then they had that their their catcher, too, as well, like played out of his mind the last yeah. couple months of the season. So I definitely think it's up for up for grabs for sure. And um, we'll see. I do hope that the White Sox make one more move, though. Yeah, of course. Of course. Add but... about maybe 15 to 20 million to that payroll. Yeah. And I'm probably going to be closer on your side of the table. To your point, I would love Cassiatos in that outfield. I think. Uh, yeah, and you know, watching him on the Cubs, I I just like the energy that he brings. I yeah, kind of like the. I just think he's one of those cool dudes. He deserves to be in a World Series DVD, right? Like, there's always those weird characters, like when they do the shots of the guys on the bench. They're just they're always, fired yeah, up. Yeah, they're, they're just fired. always fired he up. He's like one of those guys, right? To be, yeah, he's destined yeah. to be on a World Series yeah. DVD for somebody. Because other than, right, like, I, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, not just by play but by personality, Tim Anderson has really kind of established himself because he's also kind of in that vein of, like, just very fiery, I mean, uh-huh. bat flips and all, you know. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I think uh, – he would fit well with that organization to just move a couple miles south, you know? So, Dude, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, this has been fun. It's, it's your debut, fun. man. We're going to bring, oh, bring you back for some more. For sure. You know, when the Bulls rip off 12 wins in a row, we'll come on back. We'll all, tol- we'll all tell you we told you so. <laughs> <laughs> as, we were, as we've just, like, squirmed in our, our Bulls seats the uh, whole time. 
they're frustrating, but we got to talk about it. And this, yeah. this is this is how we this do it. This is like a therapy session and just get it all out. Well, so, we yeah. still love them and we want the best for them, but it's it's a confusing time right now, and it can go in a lot of different directions. And hopefully, yeah. it just doesn't go in the same direction it's been going yeah. for the last. It's like that seven middle years. child. We still love you. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. you're frustrating, but we still love you. Damn it, we still love you. All right, you're going to college. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Yeah. Today's episode, you guys, that'll do it. Happy holidays. Um, Happy New Year. I'm going to try and come back with maybe one more pod before the New Year's over. But today's episode was brought to you by 8sleep, as we mentioned before. Make sure you check out 8sleep.com slash pro. That's 8, E-I-G-H-T, like the number, 8sleep.com slash pro. And for a limited time, you get $150 off of your purchase when you go to that website. You can try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, they'll refund your purchase. Remember, $150 off when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro. This was Believe in Betting Chicago. On the Believe Podcast Network, my name is Joey Christopoulos. My guest today was Mike Choi. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.